The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Tuesday night edition of the pod as the Boston Celtics roar back in the second half to take it 107-94 over the Cavaliers. And LeBron James came out firing 42 points, 12 assists, did have six turnovers though. Cleveland's defense was actually pretty decent throughout most of the first half. And then in the second half, the Cavaliers just couldn't score. They only put up 39 points. 94 points for Cleveland and that Cavaliers offense that so struggled in the first round and so destroyed Toronto in the second round has regressed once again and Boston of course has had a very big part in causing that for sure I I thought a place to start with this game would be to talk about LeBron's night and so you mentioned in the beginning that he was he was absolutely on fire he had 21 points in the first quarter on 8 of 13 shooting 4 of 7 from 3 and 5 of 9 on jump shots so that includes his mid-ranger in the rest of the game 8 of 16 and 3 of 9 on those jump shots and we talked about this a little bit on the Twitter NBA show because we were, we were doing this game live that it's possible though there are other factors including the collision with Jason Tatum that we'll t- we'll definitely talk about in some depth later on that LeBron being so successful with the jumper early ended up not necessarily working out super well for them because he felt more comfortable settling for that as opposed to getting all the way to the basket yeah and again LeBron Shutchard he got to the rim a couple times late when the outcome was essentially decided and they were kind of in no threes defense but taking a look at his shot chart here that's 16 of 29 from the field 11 three-point attempts he ended up seven of eight at the rim but again at some of those were late and he really was not getting into the paint forcing help setting up others and then when he did try to set up others anyone else except for Kevin Love and Kyle Korver just couldn't do anything in this game for Cleveland. Love was two of six from three. Corver was two out of five. And George Hill only got up four shots in 33 minutes. He was 0 for two from three. J.R. Smith was 0 for seven from the field, 0 of four from three, although he, he was forced into some tough beat the clock shots late in possessions. So it really was just LeBron and Love, those two guys. Did you mention Jeff Green? Uh, who was two for five? Yeah. And had five turnovers. I think those five oh, yeah. turnovers he, were Especially well. in the fourth quarter when it was really getting away from him. And he, he tried to attack a couple of times. It just like threw it right to Jalen Brown for one fast break that ended up actually being LeBron volleyballing Terry Rozier's shot into the stands. Uh, but yeah, it really uh, just Cleveland looked awful in, in the second half. And once again, for the Celtics, they just don't have weak links out there for LeBron to attack. And then 
although they do make mistakes on occasion i thought that the cleveland strategy early the way that they ran their offense looked awesome and, and they just didn't have the energy to sustain that level of discipline play on either end throughout the entire game early in the game they were abusing boston switching they were screening the contact going back door love got a nice back door when lebron was posting up they got jr going to the rim one time off of some screening action and they actually you know they were cutting hard they were really lighting up boston and as so often has been the case in these playoffs boston just keeps competing and keeps bringing the energy and they have all these athletes and all these bodies even with gordon hayward and kyrie irving unavailable and daniel tice for that matter as well and they just wore down at the cavaliers it seemed like yeah i was impressed with them on both ends of the four and the idea of kind of foundational competency that you talked about defensively and not having weak links i think that also applies to their offense and cleveland has been exploited at times by the simple fact that you know, other than Baines, and he's playing less than 20 minutes per game, I think it was 17 in this one. Almost every single player that make, takes the floor for Boston can is comfortable with the ball in their hands, can do a couple dribbles and attack, and almost all of them have good first steps as well. So they can create opportunities where I didn't necessarily expect them to, even in the half court. I mean, Cleveland's transition defense being awful is not remotely a surprise, and I thought Jalen Brown in particular did a great job attacking that. But Boston was creating more separation and doing a little bit more in the half court than I anticipated. Yeah, and what really where it stood out, I thought, was just they had so much more effort than Cleveland in the second half. Some of those offensive rebounds where Jalen Brown missed the layup, gets it right back, LeBron never even moves for the defensive rebound. They got two offensive rebounds, and finally Marcus Smart got his hip. Again, LeBron never even moved to go get the defensive rebound. When Rozier got hot with 14 points in the third quarter, a lot of those were just pretty severe breakdowns. And Boston, you never see a guy, oh, we made a mistake, I'm just going to stand there. Even when they make a mistake, they try to hustle their way out of it, and half the time, they're able to do it, even if the communication initially isn't there. So lots more on this game coming up here. But first, this from our new sponsor puppy spot welcoming a puppy into your home is one of the most rewarding things that you'll ever do but it's really difficult to be sure that they come from a responsible breeder and that's where puppyspot.com comes in it's a trusted service that connects the nation's top breeders to caring responsible individuals and families puppy spot has really high standards only 10 percent of breeders that apply to be part of puppy spot are approved they usually have about 50 plus different breeds available at any one time over 100 plus puppies available to go home their puppy concierges are devoted to helping you find the right breed from golden retrievers to yorkies to labradoodles and their industry-leading health guarantee means that your puppy is given a nose-to-tail health exam from a licensed veterinarian and up-to-date vaccinations before coming home to you and they actually have a 10-year health guarantee as far as any health issues that should have been caught before the puppy was delivered to you and compared to say getting your puppy at a pet store puppy spot has a commitment to the humane humane treatment of all dogs thanks to their travel program your puppy will arrive in your home the same day it leaves its breeder and until it arrives in your home it spends its entire life with its breeder and parents so the way to get started with them 
and fetch your new best friend at puppyspot.com slash cap space that's the url for this one that slash cap space easy to remember because we talk about it all the time here on the program puppyspot.com slash cap space for limited time you can get access to the puppy spot vip program which has discounts on everything you need for your new puppy from food to walking services once again that's puppyspot.com slash cap space for this special offer puppyspot.com slash cap space so what else uh, stuck out to you in this one danny well, I think we should talk about the collision that we thought would have a, a bigger impact on the game, though we'll have to see how it affects LeBron James moving forward. It was late in the first half. LeBron was along the baseline, and he got run into by Jason Tatum, and no ill intent or anything like that. Jason Tatum was just trying to make a play defensively, and Tatum's shoulder made strong contact with the side of LeBron's head, and there was... I mean, we had a we had a kind of a poll over our our broadcast on the Twitter NBA show because it looked bad. LeBron left the floor. We were very concerned about a concussion. It ended up being determined that he had a neck strain rather than a concussion. So I don't know how that affected him, but it certainly changed the game. Even though the Cavs did well in his absence, yeah, at least they did in the first half. They're about even without him in there, and plus ten with him in the game in the first half in the second half not so much uh, they were down seven to start the fourth and then with lebron out of the game they had a couple of just miserable offensive possessions and ended up getting down by double digits and that was pretty much a, about the game at, at that point they never really got back into contact after that did the Cavs? but i think lebron you know I can't tell based on a collision whether someone has suffered a concussion or not. They took him in the back. They tested him. They found that he did not have a concussion. But certainly, he looked to be having some difficulty right after the collision. And I don't know that he played just so much worse than he was playing in the second quarter. He already, you know, he had that 21 in the first quarter, but then hadn't been quite as aggressive. We noted he settled more for jumpers, but I think he kind of got into that rhythm even late in the first quarter. So I can't say whether it had a huge difference I mean, certainly the score of the game both before and after is an indication but and maybe you can say too that he just wasn't as into it defensively and that that was a big part of the problem certainly he had a number of breakdowns a number of low effort plays in the second half and i think you know we go back to again with lebron the idea that he's constantly saving energy and he has to save energy because there's no one else who can create anything on this team other than him and maybe that's giving Kevin Love a little bit of short shrift, but certainly he's the only one with any ability to attack the basket off the dribble. And so he's constantly looking for times to save energy. And even when, you know, he's standing right there for a defensive rebound, there's always a danger when your default as a player is, I'm either not going to do something or I'm going to evaluate in every situation whether to give effort. And the Boston Celtics don't do that. They see the ball and they go for it every single time. When, when you're trying to decide whether you're going to react before you react every time, instead of just doing it, you're always going to be slower reacting. And so LeBron can have possessions where he'll be decide to be engaged and he'll be engaged throughout that possession. But over the course of the game, his default is trying to find rest anywhere he can. And that's where I think a lot of the lack of support that he has here shows up. And that functions in direct contrast to Marcus Smart, who on a couple of plays late in this game actually was aggressive and got a ball that LeBron maybe could have. There was that huge offensive rebound where 
LeBron just kind of evaluated and he thought they were going to have it and Smart just flew in, got it, and that helped kind of salt away the game. And Marcus Smart is a challenging player sometimes to evaluate and discuss because he provides so much energy and intangible value. But I thought one of the most important parts of his game was getting steals when the Cavaliers were kind of getting going in transition. So he had two on outlet kick ahead passes. And then he had one, I believe was in the fourth quarter where he just went after the ball before the hit ahead pass. They were, they were just moving the ball up the court and those created really good looks for the Celtics. Yeah, that that was the case as well. They tried the Cavaliers to start Tristan Thompson, uh, and I didn't think he played poorly. Four offensive rebounds, eight points. He was negative five, although it, it seems clear to me that Thompson just is not the guy that he was as a switch defender, whether he's just not in the same type of shape or it's that early season calf injury or whatever it is. He was getting cooked pretty badly on switches in this game and, and by guys who aren't necessarily even the best ISO players in the league either. You know, I mean, I think he even got beat by Smart one time. Um, Tatum, who is a, you know, a rookie, a solid ISO player, but, you know, I mean, Tristan Thompson has had a great record guarding like really good ISO players on the other team. And so he he's not quite the same defensively in the switching and just Cleveland just doesn't really seem to have a plan they have no defensive identity and this isn't news you know LeBron is not that player protecting the room especially now that he can't take possessions off and let Kyrie Irving go to work on offense love is limited George Hill is nowhere close to the guy that he was even a couple of years ago when he in Indiana his last year in Indiana when he shut down Kyle Lowry uh J.R. Smith had myriad miscommunications in this game they really were targeting him with any kind of an action designed to force communication and switch i think there was like three possessions in a row where jr and tristan thompson both just like were looking at each other with their palms up i mean the number of times that jr would just like almost stalk towards the bench with his palms up after some sort of a miscommunication it, it really stuck out to me uh they also brought in larry nance who i, I thought was okay but again you know these guys it's really interesting to me that these guys just cannot get any field goal attempts, right? Like Larry Nance, he was 0 for 1. He missed a, a, an alley-oop on a pass that was a little bit behind him. And, and Hill, 33 minutes and four shots. It's just, it's, I don't know whether it's because that they are, are able to help on LeBron and make him pass it and then close these guys down or whether just the, their system does not look that great. But clearly the Celtics have them completely out of rhythm. And one that I would add into that, Tristan Thompson had six shot attempts, but he had four offensive rebounds. So if you think that each one of those, each one of those gets you pretty dang close to a shot attempt to only end up with, with six is pretty striking. And the Thompson, one of his biggest weaknesses as a offensive player is that he is not great at attacking a mismatch on a post-up. You and I have spent a lot of time on Dunked On this year discussing the strengths of that approach. And Thompson just doesn't have the versatility. He does, he, and, and so he thinks he has these mismatches. And it was that one time where LeBron basically like looked him off of a post-up. He's like, you don't have an advantage here. Yeah, that was really weird seeing him try to post up a, a couple of times. For the Celtics, Al Horford had another awesome game. 15 points. His jumper actually was off in this one, but still had 10 rebounds, 
the Celtics actually had more offensive rebounds than the Cavs. Thompson, who has long tormented Horford, and they still started Horford at center, by the way, too, even with them starting Thompson. Maybe it was an invitation to start Baines that they just did not take, which I think was a smart move from Stevens but Horford did well enough on the defensive glass and the other thing too is they've got guys now with so much more size I mean this is if you compare this year's team to last year's team between Jalen Brown playing more minutes Tatum Rozier you know think of his he had five defensive rebounds in this game Marcus Morris I mean they're pretty either other than center maybe with Horford they've got good size and good length at every position Ojale is another strong guy Marcus Smart when he's not playing at the three which he had to play a lot last year you know he, he's a guy with plus strength and length for his position so they're able to control the defensive glass much better and maybe get some of those hustle offensive rebounds of their own and then Horford I thought even though Love had a decent game in this one they really avoided fouling him no Cavalier took more than two free throws aside from LeBron so keeping Love off the foul line is huge i don't think love had a single basket in the post do you remember any no i think it was more he had a couple of dunks he had that athletic layup where he that was a really impressive play where he kind of got the ball over his head as he was going past but no i don't remember any true post-ups yeah and him. horford did a really nice job i mean there was one play or one series of plays early in the third quarter when love pick and popped three times in a row and horford just shut him down all three times and it was just an amazing job by al horford closing out on love i mean there's just so few guys and boston they really changed up their looks quite a bit a lot of it depended i think on whether smart was in the game because they put him onto kyle corver and, and had him trail around screens and corver had a little bit of success but overall i thought smart did pretty well there when cleveland was beating their switches early they went with a little more conventional style with baines in the game they went with a little more conventional style but they really seemed to be changing up the looks pretty regularly i found it difficult as we were calling the game to really get a rhythm for exactly what the rules were and so i think that's something that really giving lebron james different looks is really important and that's probably part of why they're able to have some of this success i was also impressed that boston was able to score reliably without jason tatum really getting into much of a rhythm in the game he did score a couple times on tristan thompson yeah. but i thought generally those tristan were big did a pretty actually. good job I mean, defensively they, they were looking like they, they were might be getting close to blown out in that second quarter and he hit some i mean he had this one jumper on the left wing one was a step back three in the corner on thompson the other one was his feet were it was like a clay thompson shot when he's super hot his feet like weren't even together it's got his feet wider than his shoulder it's so hard to jump from that position he drained a jumper off of that too yeah, so they were able to to go through it and get success. I mean, Jalen Brown had 14 in the first quarter. I thought that was really important as they Boston ended up only scoring 23. So he had more than half of their points at that point in that juncture. And Boston, I think they got, oh, this was a little bit closer to what I thought the games in the Garden might be like, where, you know, Boston was making their, they made their threes. Both teams were 10 of 31 from three, which is interesting. Yeah, but, and they both, and, actually, I mean, Cleveland... They were 7 of 14 in the first half. So they're only three out of 17 yeah, in, in the second. And Boston was shooting it pretty well as well. I think at one point they were nine out of 23, mm -hmm. and then uh, they went one for their last eight. So both teams were a little bit off towards the end. Yeah, and that, and that can happen in the playoffs, though I don't think it was necessarily great defense on most of those. There were certainly some. But so what I was getting at is that I wondered after game one what regression to the mean would look like in this series. And so Boston making... A fewer shots Cleveland making a few more and the answer was a close game for the most part until Boston took control late and Cleveland 
with more consistency defensively, better communication, better execution, probably more than anything else, they could have won this game. But Boston unquestionably unequivocally in the win. And so now we get into this challenging place in the series for Cleveland where, yes, they absolutely can win. They have to win all of their home games for sure and then take one of the two in Boston. But they do have to come out victorious in four out of five of the remaining contests. And I believe they can do that. Uh, to uh, at least win both games in Cleveland. I, mean, I, I think, uh, obviously, I picked Cleveland in the series. Boston, though, has been unbelievable at home in these playoffs. They are now 9-0 and at home in these playoffs and 1-4 and on the road. But they have, of course, the home court advantage. I mean, I, I don't think I would favor them in either of these two games in Cleveland. Well, I, I might in game four. If, they, if, they, if Cleveland loses game three and it's 3-0, you know, I could see lebron really checking out in game four uh and they've got a three-day rest period to kind of think about everything that's gone wrong here but i I think the most likely outcome is that we're going to be headed back to boston 2-2 like this series is especially with this massive home road disparity that we've seen from boston i think that we could very easily be back 2-2 and then you know usually that would be a massive advantage for the home team but certainly to say that lebron and this Cavaliers team can't win games in this series. I think, you know, I wouldn't take that away from this game, but the Cavaliers have got to find a way to score. And, you know, maybe that's more of love at center again. Kyle Corver only played 21 minutes in this game. I think that Lou, he was removed from the starting lineup for Thompson. I think Lou reached somewhat the opposite conclusion that I did, that they needed to be better defensively in this game. And, you know, Corver is probably their third best offensive player so it only play him 21 minutes especially as poorly as jr was playing and, and yeah i get that corver isn't very good one-on-one but like with all the mistakes jr was making i'd probably rather just have corver out there <laughs> at this point than jr who has just had a horrendous series so far and it's just amazing how he runs so incredibly hot and cold in some of these games and series but I, I loved they finally got to that screening action out of the corner that we've been talking about all playoffs with Rozier's man and screening for Kevin Love and they got great stuff out of that a couple of possessions and then just weren't really able to get back to it for whatever reason so I still want to see more of that like I haven't seen a team stop that action yet uh with the smallest guy screening Love from the corner into the post and then popping out for a three so I I want to see some more of that for sure what do you think would you stick with Thompson in the starting lineup or would you go uh back to Kevin Love at center I think I'd go back to Love. It was interesting that Stevens kept Baines out of the starting lineup, but brought him back in pretty quickly for Tatum, especially because Tatum didn't really start either half with much of a rhythm. But I think Cleveland's offense is... I mean, their defense sucked in this game anyway. So they were, I guess, a little bit better in that first quarter. So he's not bringing the benefit there. And while Thompson got four offensive rebounds and the Celtics have to account for him in that part of the floor, just having the spacing that Corver provides gives, I think, gives them a greater advantage overall. But it it is a tough call. And Lou is obviously working with more information than we have. But yeah, I would start Corver. I think so too, especially try to jump onto them offensively early at home get the crowd into it and frankly cleveland's best defense in this series is making the celtics take the ball out of the net because anytime they get in transition i mean even like the mildest transition opportunity when you consider just the lack of communication the jogging back certainly anytime lebron misses a shot it's basically like an automatic bucket going the other way unless he's shooting a three from the top of the key uh because they just cannot get matched up jr love lebron i mean lebron will get a chase down every once in a while but these guys are all 
in terms of their communication just totally inadequate they're not gonna get back to the paint and then sprint out to shooters it's just not part of their dna so i mean i think the only way that they can get better defensively is just make the ball go in the basket more and make this an offensive series and considering that thompson played 30 minutes you know they did not get those supercharged spacing lineups early in this one but still it's really been impressive this is the first team other than i mean i guess the pacers did it too in the first round so i mean maybe what all this comes down to danny is just the toronto raptors really just sucked in that series maybe that's maybe that's what this is all about well and and it it could even be i mean the raptors had some pretty decent stretches in that series especially in first halves they just lost it at moments of that series and then lost the thread one other point i want to bring up quickly before in our series preview for this i talked about boston's half court defense or sorry half court offense boston scored 105 uh, had a 105 offensive rating in the half court in this game cleveland had a 92.6 offensive rating in the half court i did not see that coming full credit to the celtics for being fabulous in this game on both ends in a way that i did not expect i also think that cleveland has got to do and their game plan plan discipline is just so bad I mean, they just like marcus smart had nine assists and nine field goal attempts in this game they just are reacting to him so much like you should be going under on every screen i want to make marcus smart shoot eight three-point attempts if he's going to play 31 minutes i mean he's running pick and roll a lot getting into the rim and he's he had one really crazy finish around kevin love but he was three out of nine and he's plus 21 but i think like they got to just i mean i would just put lebron on marcus smart and just have lebron camp out in the paint basically and say hey marcus if you want to beat us go ahead and maybe you know marcus had that one crazy game in game three last year the one game that they won and so maybe because of that game they kind of overrate what he's able to do uh, offensively but i when you can't find any other way of stopping him i think just not guarding him has got to be the way to go um treat him treat him like another defensive first wing from oklahoma state (laughs) yeah tony allen right that's uh uh I mean, two, 28 minutes of Jeff Green is too much, but uh, Lewis certainly, I, I think I would go with Jetty Osmond more. He only played two minutes, but a, a guy to give them a little bit more energy, try to match the intensity of the Celtics. Jeff Green be, having to make decisions did not go. He was negative 17 in this game in 28 minutes. I, I think he's was able to play against Toronto because it's kind of a simple game against Toronto, but when he has to make decisions uh, on defense, it's not going to work out as well. And offensively the, the lineup that he put out there Lou without LeBron in the fourth was really bad you know that the, you were getting the combination of Nance and Green together again now which is pretty miserable so I think they just Bill Simmons has made this point that they have what maybe like four and a half guys that you can count on you know JR is is Jekyll and Hyde Thompson you know I guess he's got to play a lot Love James Hill uh who has not been good so far in this series Corver. Rodney Hood was negative seven. He got taken out for good when he just rose up in the air with absolutely nowhere to go and threw it right to a Celtic in the fourth quarter as part of that pretty miserable run without James out there for a few minutes at the start of the fourth. But I think they got to just ride the the guys who have produced a little bit more uh, than they have already and see what they can end up doing it in game three i do expect them to win game three i also said i expect them to win game two i also said i expect them to win game one so I, i'm not ready to give up on cleveland yet this is two home games boston is a different team on the road uh but you know this could be the last game essentially of the lebron james era uh, on saturday night and uh can't wait to see it there's gonna be a crap ton of drama in that one 
Anything else you want to say on this one, or shall we move on to our next segment? We can move on. I'm really excited for Game 3, though. Well, if you have a growing small business, you should be really excited as well. We are small business owners here. We're happy to see that our small business is growing, but we're lucky enough that our finances are relatively simple. If you are a company that is outgrowing QuickBooks and you're dealing with shared spreadsheets, manual processes, legacy systems, that's costing you time and money. Take a look at NetSuite by Oracle. That's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. With NetSuite, you can save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, HR, finance, and accounting instantly. You can even do it on your phone. If you own a small business, you've maybe got the flexibility to get away, but you got to work remotely a lot. Being able to use NetSuite on your phone is a great advantage. And better yet, it's more affordable than you think. They are offering you valuable insights at NetSuite to help you overcome the obstacles that are holding you back for free. They have this free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, which will teach you how to acquire new customers, increase profits, and finally get real visibility into your cash flow. The way to get started with that guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, at netsuite.com slash capspace. That's netsuite.com slash capspace. Easy to remember, we were talking about capspace all the time here on our off-season previews. That's netsuite.com slash capspace to download their free Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth guide to get today. netsuite.com slash capspace. Well, let's talk about the Los Angeles Clippers now. We have not really been thinking of them too much. They do have two picks. Oh, wait, you know what? Let's talk about the lottery first. What the hell am I thinking? I completely forgot about it. I didn't want to, inter- I didn't want to interrupt you. Uh, but- because we'll do both we'll do but that's a little bit of a tease for for where we're going yes. after that but yeah the lottery because the title of the was... show really doesn't they have no idea what's coming uh hey I, I, my hope is that people just they they don't even look at the title they're just downloading and clicking so fast they're just like <laughs> hey wherever wherever nate and danny want to take us we'll go mm-hmm. but yeah the the lottery ended up the number one pick held phoenix had the worst record by virtue of memphis winning with those surprising games marshawn brooks should be a marked man in memphis because phoenix had the best lottery odds they got the number one overall pick then sacramento jumped all the way from seven to number two and atlanta went from four to three so then that meant because sacramento jumped so high that four different teams went down below their their projected spot with the lottery odds memphis dropped two spots to four dallas dropped two spots to five orlando dropped one to six and chicago dropped one to seven and for sacramento this is now the second year in a row that they have bumped into the top three but you'll recall of course that they had to swap with philly last year because of the july 1st 2015 trade uh divatz's maiden voyage uh, with cap management but at least they got Rajon Rondo and Casa Kufos uh, with all that cap space. But uh, I digress, so this should be a happy time for the Kings to have the number two overall pick. And certainly, we haven't gotten into our scouting yet. I don't have an opinion yet as to who Phoenix should take. But they have just a, a lot of pressures pulling them with either DeAndre Ayton or Luka Doncic. Of course, uh, their new coach, Ir Kakashkov, uh, coached Doncic to a Eurobasket title with Slovenia last summer. And, of course, uh, DeAndre Ayton played just down the road from them at Arizona. So they will have all the information that they need about these prospects and more. Just thinking about it right off the top of my head, though, Ayton, his issues are supposed to be with defensive intelligence and help defense. And that has not been the sort of player that the Suns have had a lot of success with recently, although certainly with Kokoshkov as the coach now, that could change. And they also, I think 
are a team that desperately needs passing and Doncic could provide that but I mean this is the number one overall pick you picked whoever you think is the best available and you know regardless of fit essentially except in very extreme circumstances it's also worth noting that two of the top three teams with two of the three teams with top three picks have other picks in the first round Phoenix while they did not get Milwaukee's pick, they did. They do get Miami's, which is 16. Atlanta has 19 and 30 in addition to number three. So they can try to plug multiple holes. Both those teams aren't going to be in the playoff mix in all likelihood, even if they absolutely nail those picks. So they'll be adding young talent, just trying to build the base as best they can. And the benefit of that for all three of the teams that moved up is there isn't really anybody that is precluding them from taking a player so like let's say you know sacramento i'm guessing they're happy with what bogdan bogdanovich did this year but his presence does not stop you from taking luka Doncic if you feel he is the best player remaining on the board likewise willie collie stein with deandre Aiden and with atlanta they're they will have a series of options we don't know who necessarily who's going one and two but with bagley and whoever else is on the board there we'll talk about that once we have a feel for the prospects and i think that is a is a safer place to be because one of the biggest mistakes that GMs, especially of bad teams make is taking a player who is inferior because they have somebody else in the mix, even though that player is not necessarily a centerpiece of their future. Yeah. And perhaps they misjudge that the guy is in fact a, a centerpiece, but certainly both. I mean, maybe you could see Phoenix saying, Hey, we have Josh Jackson. We don't need Doncic. Maybe, maybe, maybe you could see them doing that. I hope for their sake, they don't. Uh, that that's not the reason. Again, I don't have an opinion yet on who they should take there or not. I mean, certainly Memphis and Dallas, those guys, I don't know that the pick has fallen far enough now for Memphis that they would consider trading it. Uh, they do appear fairly delusional about like where they can be as far as getting back in the playoffs and continuing the Conley and Gasol era. But I, I don't see them trading the pick nonetheless. But maybe there's a slightly greater chance of that now. Uh, the ones who really could have provided some of the intrigue, Cleveland with that Brooklyn pick that ends up being number eight overall New York didn't move up at all there at nine and then Philly uh, they actually had in the one remotely interesting thing of that just soul crushing lottery show with nine billion commercials in it and 45 minutes of fluff before they even started the drawing they did have someone from both Philly and Boston sitting together at the same table because if that pick had moved up in the top three it could have been either Philly or Boston but it goes to Philly at number 10 that finally completes uh, ironically enough a trade in which Michael Carter Williams the 11th pick was traded away and uh, Sam Hinkie such a genius ended up getting back uh, the 10th pick for him years later although I think most people would have thought that that pick would have ended up higher and the Lakers only avoided turning it over because they were so bad the last three years that they're able to jump into the protection. Well, and they had lottery luck right. too. I mean, that that pick could have converted in both of the last previous two years and it ended up being the second pick. So not as much chaos as we could have hoped for. Certainly those who complain that the NBA is rigged uh, have a, a little bit less of a leg to stand on here with Phoenix, Sacramento, and Atlanta being the three. And uh, But we have to bid adieu to the old lottery system that has been in place uh, for quite some time now i think since the late 90s um should we you want to just uh, under the old system here what were some of like your favorite lottery results under this system well, i mean the derrick rose pick 
is certainly in that conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, him, him, them flying up and getting to go 1. home 8% to Chicago. My buddy Doug Tonus said that if they ever won a championship with Derrick Rose, he was going to get a 1.8% tat, uh, tattooed onto his body somewhere. Uh, but of course, that never ended up happening. But yeah, that was a crazy one. It hasn't happened yet. It's not over. He hasn't retired yeah, yet. No, he could, but, he could come back. Uh, and, and so that's one. The single... On the short list of the single worst trades that have happened in this millennium is the pick that ended up, you know, the the Clippers dumping Baron Davis, and that was the Kyrie pick, yes, it right? Was. Yeah, yeah. And so that that was they didn't put enough protection right. on it, even though the Clippers. And then, as it could turned have. out, the amnesty came in in the next CBA, so they didn't even really need to do that. Yeah, uh, the Sterling era was was real. Nothing bad. will ever top though the Jerry West sitting there knowing that Memphis would either get the number one pick and draft LeBron James or get the number two pick and not be able to draft anyone at all because the pick would go to the Pistons because it was top one protected way back from the Otis Thorpe tree that was in 2003 I think that's one that's one for the ages for sure well and for a, a a plug, because I feel like I should make this part of the reason the reforms kicked in was because of the crazy 1993 lottery when the odds were more balanced and the Magic and Warriors both jumped up significantly and then made a major trade with each other. That was how the Warriors got Chris Webber. And if you want to read more about that, I actually talked about that at length in my book because it affected the Warriors and got into all the Chris Webber elements of it. So you can check it out. 100 Things Warriors Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. That, that is a good plug. And also, we wouldn't be complete without the Cavaliers getting the number one overall pick three times in four years and using one of those on Anthony Bennett, uh, another one on Andrew Wiggins, which is looking like a, not a, one of the better number one overall picks either, but then using Wiggins to get Kevin Love and having that all be a part of LeBron James returning. And of course, they drafted Kyrie Irving as well. Well, does LeBron not including Andrew Wiggins in his letter count as a lottery memory? <laughs> no, that was almost two months afterwards. Like that was like July like eighth or something like that in twenty fourteen. Yeah, and I'm sure Lakers fans would be would be frustrated that we didn't include them improbably keeping I just mentioned this, keeping their pick three years in a row when it was I think top top five protected once and then top three the other two years. And even though they had the fourth best odds, I believe one of those two years, they still kept their pick. All right. Well, now that uh, with that fascinating recounting of how a bunch of ping pong balls bounce. There's a, I was having a conversation with the executive the other day. Uh, we were talking about the lottery and, and I made the observation to him that there are two things that make these amazingly smart, competent, powerful NBA executives just go completely nuts. One is the lottery odds and the other one is refereeing it and just that they just cannot be objective about this stuff there's i mean i guess they could be objective about the lottery odds but it's just it's so funny to think about all these crazy planning and all the man hours that go into running your team and then just oh just gonna be luck determine whether uh you know you're gonna get to draft the superstar or not still but uh you know democracy is the worst government ever invented except for all the others that's kind of how i feel about the lottery at this point um let's talk a little la clippers off season now what does their cap situation look like and i think we can talk about it with and without deandre jordan and i think there's really there's three potential scenarios with him one is he just opts into that 24 million the second one is he opts out and resigns, and the other one is he opts out and uh, they just move on from him or he moves on from them let's start 
Yeah, let's let's start with Jordan leaving. It would still be very hard for the Clippers to have usable cap space. Basically, what I mean by that is if you more than they would get if they just use their exceptions. So they would have to lose Jordan, Avery Bradley, a bunch of their other guys. And if they re-sign DeAndre Jordan at 20 million or more, they're going to be right around the luxury tax, depending on which of their other players they bring back. And maybe Balmer's willing to pay it. This Clippers team missed the playoffs this year, though I'm sure he will attribute some of that to bad injury luck, as has happened in the past uh, with the Clippers. I don't think they will be willing to pay but, the tax because they would be in the repeater tax if they do. That's a good point. That's a very good yeah, point. The, the and, best way, uh, Larry Kuhn studied this a while ago, the optimal way to pay the tax the most possible number of years while never getting in the repeater tax is basically you're in for three years you're out for two years to reset the clock and then you're in for three again so they need to be another year totally out of the tax and then they don't have to worry about repeater tax anymore well and that ties in with one of the other quick points i wanted to bring up which is that just keeping this in the back of your mind with the clippers is that depending on what the if they don't re-sign their main guys this year they could have up to about 65 million in space in 2019, so next offseason. And that doesn't even include ways that they could expand it beyond that by, let's say, stretching or trading Danilo Gallinari. That is just basically in straight space, no other cap magic involved. Yeah, and certainly uh, there are uh, Kawhi Leonard is an LA native, or I'm sorry, San Diego native, but Southern California native. <laughs> Riverside, it's between them. <laughs> yeah, I guess he went to school in San Diego, San Diego State, but uh, he did. Yeah, there, there is this weird yeah. discussion. I got, I inadvertently ended up in this maelstrom with, or saying that Kawhi was an LA guy once. Yeah, I forgot he's from Riverside. Yeah, that's closer to LA probably than it is. To, it's like straight east of LA. Uh, but anyway, enough on SoCal geography. You would think that this is just going to kind of be a consolidation year for them. I think if they they had talked about, they've had some extension talks with Jordan. I think the best for them would be if he just opts in. I don't know if that's the best for him. But other than a sign and trade, I just don't know where he's going to get anything where he can get a longer term deal, even if it's for less than that $24 million. I just don't think he's that good anymore. He's 30 now or will be very short by the start of the season. So maybe he does opt in, but then, you know, he's only getting older as well. I mean, I think if there is an extension, they actually can still do an extension, by the way, uh, until... Uh, up until he either declines uh, that option if he opts in obviously they can do an extension as well also worth noting that jordan if they want to trade him has a 15 percent trade bonus so if he opts in that'll be a, a part of things as well i mean if you were advising deandre jordan we talked about this a little bit in the centers or, or the big man podcast when we did the free agent rankings but what would you advise him to do jordan got hurt a little bit by the lottery results because from what i've heard about this draft it looks more likely that dallas is going to be able to draft a big man at their spot. And there are so few teams with a lot of cap space and even fewer teams that would be willing to do like a sign-in trade with DeAndre Jordan because center is a position like, let's say Orlando. Yes, DeAndre Jordan would be better than all of their centers. But are they going to give up assets or just even try to facilitate a trade to get DeAndre Jordan? No, I don't, I don't think so particularly. So I would be leaning pretty heavily towards opting in at this point unless my agent had the intel that i could get a contract worth 15 to 18 per season for three or more seasons one thing to consider i don't have this locked in but i believe because of everything that happened yeah it did that deandre jordan has changed agents since that contract and oftentimes i remember this more with baseball guys try to 
guys get out of their contracts because then their new agents can get a share of the contracts they negotiate. Yeah, you'd think that there could be that element there as well. If they do move on from Jordan, they will need a center, but I think there are plenty of centers that they could get for around the full mid-level that would be totally adequate for them this season. I mean, I I still see this being kind of just a similar year to last year where maybe with Gallinari back now, Tobias Harris, who uh, this is the last year of his contract, he's someone that they might actually look to extend potentially, although he probably has designs on a little bit more than they can offer him. I don't know if he'll get it. Um, Also, if Austin Rivers... uh, 12.65 million dollar player option which i would project that he would opt into uh so uh, that we are including that in our projections for them not really having any space west johnson i think he's already opted in to his 6.1 million dollar player option that's already been reported and then teodosic if you want to hear a little bit more about his decision to opt in or out go back and listen to our point guards ranking podcast i don't want to rehash that but he has a player option for 6.3 million which is only 2.1 million dollars guaranteed if he opts in until july 15th which is a later date he also has a 15 percent trade bonus as well so that'll be a fascinating decision for him I would guess, though, that he would probably opt in. We don't need to talk much more about that. And then uh, any other kind of housekeeping things for this team before we talk about who they might try to get in free agency? Yeah, a couple of quick ones. So first of all, they have the 12 and 13 picks, no second round pick. They have non-guarantees on Avery Bradley. It's at about $5 million, and that doesn't guarantee until January 10th, which is a late date. The Really, the only thing you would see there would be if the injury is way more severe than we thought it was. But I, I would be beyond shocked to see him see that get declined also cj williams has a minimum non-guarantee until the first day of the regular season then it starts to guarantee a little bit and montrez harrell is the other free agent that we should talk about actually there are two montrez harrell restricted free agent full bird minimum cap hold could absolutely i would expect to see him back i don't think there's going to be much of a market for harrell so they could get him at a backup center price which is good because that's what he is and avery bradley Wow. The lost yeah. man and, and so many things that I have happened. I completely even forgot he was on this team. I mean, it's crazy to think of, of where his career has gone over the last year or so. Yeah, so Bradley has a $13 million cap hold, full bird rights because they acquired him via trade. And I have no idea if the Clippers are interested in bringing him back long term. He, of course, has familiarity with Doc Rivers from Boston. Not that Doc is the GM anymore, obviously. But Bradley just doesn't necessarily fit in with a team that is retooling. The only way that I could see him coming back would actually be if the Clippers offered him a meaningful amount of money, especially let's say if Jordan left as a one year kind of make good contract and he doesn't really have any other offers just on the idea of, well, well, we might as well try, but I wouldn't support that as the Clippers. I would want to pivot a little bit harder, but he's going to run into some real challenges. I mean, with the groin surgery, just having a real lost season right before free agency, even though the other shooting guards in that mix, like KCP and Danny Green, didn't have great years either the thinning market and just the lack of need for a two only guy really hurts bradley i thought kcp had a nice year but uh maybe i'm, I'm in the minority there you often believe kcp had a nice I year know. i mean other than but i thought he was fine. The, the month that he was like under house arrest he was pretty good uh so now whether that really had anything to do with it or not who knows it could have just been a random blip uh but nonetheless you know the, the tax is still going to be an issue even if they let jordan go you know they'll have maybe about 24 million or so to work with and don't forget they have these two draft picks as well they've got 12th and 13th uh that's taking up about six million dollars worth of their space also if they wanted to bring back bad or bradley they've also got patrick beverly with a non-guarantee five million 
Uh, his guarantee date isn't until the end of this, uh, the league-wide cut-down date of January 10th. But between Beverly, Lou Williams, who the, remember they extended at $8 million per season, Rivers, Teodosic, if they bring him back, they still got Jawan Evans and Sundarius Thornwell, who are both guaranteed for next year. They've got C.J. Williams. Tyrone Wallace is going to go into two-way restricted free agency and his qualifying offer is only a two-way contract but you have to imagine that someone would at least give ty wallace you know a a restricted free agency offer for a a guaranteed minimum contract for a a couple of years uh so he's another guy that they could look to bring back when they had so many injuries last year but and they had such a revolving cast of characters is there any way that you would just uh wave patrick beverly i think they would just try to trade him first before they did that yeah, I, I think somebody would be willing to take him on, especially because Beverly's contract doesn't guarantee until January. So yeah. now there, a team would I probably mean, have to have take a trade exception or uh, sure. uh, just to take him off the Clippers' hands. Because still, I mean, if you're going to bring back Bradley on the type of contract that you were talking about, Danny, you know, that would be what, like a one year, probably eight figure deal that yep. then you're looking at that. And if you bring back Taya Dosich as well, you want to use the full mid level. Now you're basically done. You're out of space. They're gonna they're gonna be limited on roster spots too here as well. Um, maybe they just end up waving West Johnson as well, or trying to buy him out, or they could probably maybe move on from Sam Decker to open up a roster slot. Maybe there'd be a team that would just take Sam Decker. But I think that they have a, both a roster crunch and a little bit more of a cap crunch. And this is without even talking about DeAndre Jordan. If they do bring back Jordan, I mean that's another concern here too. Like they're actually gonna have to cut money probably under the tax or if he opts in they're gonna have to just cut money to get out of the tax i mean it seems really unlikely to me that they would pay the tax and be stuck in the repeater tax i would agree that it's unlikely if deandre jordan opts out and they choose not to bring him back of they could make a very quick pivot if they want to be proactive and do something with the chris paul trade exception it's about seven million it but the problem is it expires before the league year starts so it would have to be a very specific type of contract especially with the new rules of what guarantees count I don't expect that to be there, but I wanted to mention it just because I, I, I get excited about unusual circumstances and the Chris Paul exception is there. So what would you say? Let's let, let's make the assumption, and I think this is totally fair, that the absolute most the Clippers can work with is the mid-level exception, the full one, but, you know, maybe even the taxpayer one. What would be what do you think is their biggest need? Well, if DeAndre Jordan is not under contract center. And that's even if they bring back Harold, another guy who we're not even talking about uh, fitting into this mix as well. So like they're really there's they have a lot less flexibility, at least for this year. And it just that's another reason why it just would seems like it would be so foolhardy to take on money through next year uh, as well. I mean, there's just it, it seems like kind of a motley crew. So, I mean, I, I would say probably center if they bring back Jordan, then I think this is just their team unless they start making some trades. And maybe they just try to trade some of these guys in the backcourt to get a little more depth uh, on the wing but the, those are always tough to do as well but i mean there are guys here who have trade value oh, on this team yeah what are you saying there are and what i want to say is that it's also a, a risky proposition for them as a potential 2019 spender to stretch players because if they stretch guys that money goes on the books in future seasons and if they want to have 60 million to work with you know giving austin rivers or wesley johnson or bobon some money like spreading that but over they're three not going to stretch necessarily help them <laughs> no they're not uh, although and by but, the way also we should we talked about this briefly but it looks like doc rivers is going to extend there as well just to be the coach which uh that uh I don't know whether that means that they're just not going to rebuild. I mean, I think they're just going to kind of hang around again uh, in the same type of level. They also, 
owe at some point a lottery protected pick to the Celtics, right? Well, it's I believe it's lottery protected for two years and then becomes seconds. So there is a significant chance that that pick just ends up becoming seconds, which would be unfortunate for Boston. We looked at that and the Memphis pick as those two intriguing possibilities. And the Memphis pick could go in a lot of different directions. But something else I think is an important need for the Clippers if they want to be competitive next year. That's that's an if that we don't have an answer to yet is somebody who can capably defend small forwards. Both Gallinari and Tobias Harris are talented offensive players and can be a part of a successful rotation, maybe even start those two guys. But having a third player who is defense first could be really useful to just play with either one of those players in a kind of three man grouping. Yeah, I mean, CJ Williams might be their best wing defenders. The Thornwell has been pretty good, but he probably doesn't quite have the size. I could see also with both their roster crunch and their potential tax crunch i don't know what like the value chart would be here but if they wanted to combine 12 and 13 to try to move up i think that might be something that and especially with the team that just kind of needs to take flyers like they don't need more role players on this team so i would certainly be having talks if i were them to try and see where i could move up to now i haven't looked at at of course who might be available in that range i mean i think maybe something interesting this is just totally off the top of my head I, I, and i don't know what kind of shape he's in at this point but michael porter looked like a guy who had so much upside you know if he's in the seven or eight range maybe especially because you're always looking for wings we don't know where he's going to be because of his back but he's a guy who does i think to me have superstar upside so maybe you could try to combine those two picks to move up and grab him you know that might be the type of move that they could make because they do need to get more upside talent on this team they have a lot of solid nba players but you know the, their best player is a, a 31 year old uh who's probably gonna win six man this year in lou williams i'm on board with the idea it's always really hard to discuss value because a lot of it can be related to who is available or maybe in certain cases teams can say refuse a deal like there was that reporting that came out recently with the raptors trying to move up to get Giannis, but then Stephen Adams was was still on the board. And something else I wanted to mention with the Clippers with their lack of flexibility is because of their other spending obligations, it would be harder for them to wield DeAndre Jordan or Avery Bradley in a sign-in trade, assuming they want to try to get below the, below the tax. Now, if Jordan opts out and they want to do it with Bradley, that could work, but it, it's going to get complicated. And that's unfortunate because they're they're really they're not good enough to be inflexible but that's just where their books are yeah and, and back to your initial question which i kind of poo-pooed i don't think they can use the full mid-level exception i mean it would be uh, unless they just create some more flexibility somehow with some trades i think it's unlikely they would use that i think they'll be uh, they won't necessarily be limited to the taxpayer because of going over the apron because that's six million dollars over the tax but i think just because they won't be able to pay 8.4 million and necessarily avoid the tax unless they just don't bring back any of their pending free agents and if jordan opts in i mean they're going to just have to straight up cut money somehow and i don't really see anyone who you know for five million dollars a year they've got a ton of guys in the backcourt already so i don't think that's really a need uh, what about just center guys you know for kind of three million a year five million a year or something like that uh this might actually be a decent like alex len landing spot you know maybe he could be the starting center and you know a guy who has a little bit of upside and then you know if they bring back harrell he can be the guy who plays center down the stretch in a lot of these games uh maybe it's a, a change of scenery for the 25 year old len the player taken right after len nerlens right. noel would also be an option more of a defensive first player and when you're starting to know gallinari that seems like a pretty good idea and noel I don't think a one-year kind of make-good contract is what he should be going for, considering what happened the last time he was on a one-year contract. But 
if he were to go that approach, the Clippers would be a wonderful option because they have playing time that they could say, hey, look at look at this. It's just you and Montrez Harrell. You could figure this out. No, but other than that, uh, I don't really see it. Maybe like Trevor Booker as a small ball five could play there a little bit. I think, you know, Brooke Lopez will probably be out of their price range. Maybe Greg Monroe is someone that they could look at as well or like we'll see what the price line range is like for ed davis but those are some of the guys i think we're talking about here i wouldn't i wouldn't want to start channing fry but as a change of pace second unit guy could be fun yeah remember the clippers he's already in la years ago and decided not to not to get him and they ended up dying because they had uh i think what was that was that 26 that was 2016 yeah so it ended up not i believe it was cp and uh blake both got hurt in the playoffs anyway so it wouldn't have mattered but and jeff green's gonna be a free agent so they can sign him again well now that we've started discussing that it's time to wrap things up Uh, anything to plug before we depart here yeah my podcast for real jam radio with sirat sohi is up now i I just put it out right before we recorded and we went through the raptors because we actually recorded that before Dwayne casey got fired but we talked about it kind of as if it was going to happen because we all thought it would at that point and lebron his free agency and a lot of other stuff so that's out there off-season previews are are rolling in i'm going to be putting the finishing touches on a couple of them because it was waiting on what happened with a lot of results and i'm pretty energized I'm, i might end up doing the suns one in the very near future as well because this is now a, a very fascinating decision i don't have an opinion on it yet but that's not really what my off-season preview series is about usually and we might wait to do the suns until we've have a stronger opinion but with with the the athletic stuff that's harder to yeah do. and i think uh, you know people are asking about the pacers we have not done their off-season preview yet i wanted to see until we get some clarity on some of the player options that they have i guess joseph has already opted in but uh maybe we'll, there'll be some reporting on their non-guarantees as well thaddeus young obviously is a huge one for them but you know we'll, we'll get into some of these teams that have things a little bit more settled now uh, over the next few days or so and of course twitter nba show for the series of the century game two pretty much do or die for the houston rockets that'll be a fascinating one check that out with us uh, at six pacific tomorrow nine eastern follow me on periscope at nate duncan nba and uh or click the little bell next to my name on twitter you can get alerts to uh whenever we go live and we only go live with twitter nba show so that won't be too spammy for you at all uh thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you all tomorrow night till then the legends are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.